Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 And Jacob dwelt in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flocks with his brethren, being still a lad, even with the sons of Billah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought evil report of them unto their father. So he reported to his father that some of his brothers were not taking good care of the flock. In the Bible, there's good shepherds and bad shepherds, and Joseph's brothers were actually bad shepherds. They were selfish, lazy, self-serving. They weren't risking their lives for the flock and making sure that the flock had the best grass, the best water, the best shade. They must not have been shearing them at the right time and protecting them from wolves. They must have been allowing wolves to get to the flock. It shows you how bad their character was. And Joseph simply told his father the truth. It was his duty to report how things were going. So Joseph wasn't tattling like a lot of people claim that Joseph was a tattler. He wasn't a tattler. He was giving his father the information that his father wanted. Because you'll see later on, his father did send Joseph out to go check and see how the flocks were doing. And that was Joseph's job. So whenever he told an evil report means a negative report. So whenever he gave a negative report to his father, he was simply telling his father the truth. And it wasn't his fault that his brothers had bad character and weren't doing a good job with the sheep. 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Joseph is a favorite, and Rachel was the only wife that Israel ever wanted. He didn't want Leah or the concubines. All of that was kind of put on him. Rachel was the only woman who he ever loved. So Joseph was the firstborn son of the only wife that Israel wanted. So it's natural that to Israel, Joseph was the most important son. Even though he wasn't his literal firstborn, he was the firstborn of the wife who he loved and whose tent he dwelt in. So he gave him a coat of many colors to show his love. For And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. It is horrible when parents play favorites, but Israel has never harmed his other children. So it isn't detrimental favorites where he's actually causing harm to the rest of the family. It's simply that he has affection for Joseph more than the, the affection for the others. He still respects the others and treats them well and, and provides for them. If it was the same thing with Rachel and Leah. His affection was toward Rachel, but he still provided for Leah and treated her with respect. And at this time, I assume that Leah is still alive and Rachel is dead. So now the brothers are even more upset because their mother is still alive. But And now that Rachel is dead, Joseph has less protection around him because he doesn't have his mother. He's more on his own than he was before. Now we've seen time after time the poor character of his brothers. Number one, one of his brothers slept with his father's concubine, which is sexual perversion. Number two, his brothers, they slaughtered a whole city without their father's permission and against their father's will. Number three, his brothers do not take good care of the sheep, so they're not caring for their father's property or the animals that God created. Number four, his brothers hate him. Instead of understanding the situation and why Joseph is the favorite one, they hate Joseph for being the favorite and they blame Joseph. And it's not Joseph's fault. And in an interesting way, it's not really Jacob's fault either. 
Jacob never asked for Leah and all the other sons. He appreciates them, but he didn't ask for them. So it's a bad situation, but time after time, you see that Jacob's brothers have very bad character. They're not noble, righteous men. Six, and he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. So now Joseph has been given a dream from God, and he feels compelled to tell his family. Now a lot of people put down Joseph for telling the dream because they say he was puffing himself up. But when you get a dream from God, and you feel compelled to share it, that's from God too. I also have had a couple of prophetic dreams in my life. Not many, just a couple. And I felt compelled to tell people. And the reason God gave me the dream was so that I could share it with people. And this is what's happening. This dream is a warning to Joseph's entire family. But instead of heeding the warning, they turn on him and they all get angry at him, including Jacob, including Israel. So here's Joseph. He's been given a dream, and now he just wants to share it, and they're all going to get really mad. 7. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and that means binding the sheaves of wheat, And lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. So normally when you bind a sheaf, you lay it down flat. But Jacob's sheaf, after it had been bound and laid down flat, it stood up on its own. It stood upright. And behold, your sheaves came round about. So they all got up too, and they all circled Joseph's sheaf and bowed down to my sheaf. Eight, and his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Because the meaning of the dream is very obvious, right? Anybody could figure this out. The dream is showing the whole family that they're all going to bow to Joseph. And Joseph is not the firstborn. He's the 11th born child. So he's actually the 12th born, but in a way Dinah doesn't count because she's a girl as far as inheritance goes because she's supposed to get married off. Going back to Dinah for a second. It never says that she got married. So I don't know if she did or not. It's possible she never got married because that one man raped her and kind of... So it is possible that Dinah never was able to get married. Going on, they say, Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. But God was warning the family and letting them know that Joseph was going to have dominion over them, and they were going to bow to Joseph. So the thing that they should have done was they should have all got on their knees and asked God, what is the meaning of this dream? Why are we going to bow to Joseph? And then God would have explained to them that a great famine was coming in so many years, and that their whole family was going to be moved, transported to Egypt for a time. And they could have drawn closer to God and asked him for protection and all kinds of stuff. But instead of asking God the meaning of the dream, they all turn on Joseph and are very angry and blame him for the dream. 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren. His brethren means his entire family, including his father. And said, Behold, I have dreamed yet a dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowed down to me. 10. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down to thee to the earth? It's interesting that he says thy mother because the one who's still alive is Leah, not Rachel. But either he means Rachel in spirit or he means Leah. I'm not sure which. But even Jacob is offended and he's like, this isn't right. I love you. You're my favorite. But that doesn't mean that we should all bow down to you, including your parents. Jacob should have asked God what this meant, but they never ask God. They just react. 
the reason I know this is by experience, because there was a time in my life when God gave me a prophecy, a crystal clear prophecy, straight to me. It wasn't through any other person. It was straight to me. And it was the only time where he told me crystal clear something that was going to happen to me, and it did happen. And I never asked him why. And because I never asked him why, I was like, hmm, strange that you would tell me that, but oh well. And I just kept going my way. And because I never asked him why, I suffered a lot later on. If I had had the faith to say, God, why did you tell me this? It would have been a massive blessing in my life. But I missed the blessing because I didn't ask why. So anyway, that's how I know that that's what Jacob's family should have done. 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father kept the saying in mind. 12. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock and shake him. So his father, even though he was angry at him, he remembered the dream. He knew the dream was important, and he commemorated it in his memory. But the brothers are just plain mad. 12. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock and shake him. 13. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock and shake him? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. So again, this is Joseph's regular duty. Israel sends him out on a regular basis to check on the flock and see how his brothers are doing. And unfortunately, every time Jacob checks on the flock, his brothers are goofing off. I don't know if they're gambling, carousing, drinking. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not taking care of the flock. 14. And he said to him, Go now, see whether it is well with thy brethren, and well with the flock, and bring me back word. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. 15. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? While Joseph is looking for his brothers, they're nowhere to be found, but he does run into a local who says, what are you looking for? 16, and he said, I seek my brethren, tell me, I pray thee, where they are feeding the flock. 17, and the man said, they are departed hence, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. His brethren were where they did not belong. Instead of being out in the good pasture with a flock, they wanted to go to the city. So they probably are carousing. Why else would they want to go to the city? It makes no sense. 18. And they saw him afar off, and before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. 19. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. 20. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into one of the pits. And we will say, An evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Throughout the life of Joseph, and I'll keep pointing out, Joseph is actually a type of Jesus Christ. And what that means, it doesn't mean that he's like Jesus. It means that his life foreshadowed the life of Jesus. This is one of the ways that it foreshadowed. Just as the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus and take his inheritance, because they knew that he was born in the line of Judah and that he was in direct succession of King David and that he should be king of Israel. So they wanted to kill him and suppress his message of salvation. The brothers are doing the same thing. They want to kill Joseph and suppress his messages from God. So that's one way that Joseph resembles Jesus. And as we get to the other ways in the coming chapters, I'll point those out as well. 21. And Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hand and said, Let us not take his life. 
22, And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but lay no hand upon him, that he might deliver him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So now Reuben is doing something right. This is the one time where one of Jacob's sons does a righteous act, and it's Reuben. And this is the same son who committed the sexual perversion. So it's interesting how Reuben was perverted, but he didn't want to murder his brother. You know, there's good and bad in all of us, and that's why we need salvation, because of the bad, because we have to be forgiven for our sins. We might be a good person on one day and do bad things on another day, and we need cleansing from our sins. We need forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration. But a lot of people think that they'll get saved if they do good acts, but the good acts never wipe out the bad acts. So even though Reuben is saving Joseph's life, he still gets a curse put on him later on because he had committed that sin against his father. So the good doesn't erase the bad. All the good deeds in the world will never erase our sin. Only Jesus Christ can forgive our sin and cleanse us. So anyway, here's Reuben being really good. He's saying to his brothers, we don't have to kill him. We will put him in the pit and he'll die in the pit and we won't have blood on our hands. But his intention is to go back to the pit later and pull Joseph out when his brothers aren't watching and save Joseph's life. 23. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph of his coat, the coat of many colors that was on him. So they hated that coat because it was a, it was a symbol of Jacob's love for Joseph. 24. And they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So Joseph was going to be thirsty and hungry in the pit if Reuben didn't rescue him. 25. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites came from Gilead. Now remember, the Ishmaelites are their brothers, because Abraham was their father. The Ishmaelites came from Gilead, with their camels bearing spicery and balm and ladinum, going to carry it down to Egypt. Now look at this. Jesus was presented with frankincense, myrrh, and gold when he was born. Now these Ishmaelites are coming with spices, balm, and ladanum, which is similar, all except they don't have the gold in there. But they do have the spices and the balm. Myrrh is balm. So it symbolizes Jesus again in this way. Also, the fact that they're going down to Egypt. When Jesus was a toddler, his father, Joseph, had to take him to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill him. So Joseph had to take Jesus to Egypt for a few years when Jesus was a toddler. And then when that King Herod died, the angel told Joseph that he could come back to Israel. And they came back to Nazareth. And by the way, Joseph's name is the same name as the father of Jesus the supposed father of Jesus. 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our flesh, and his brethren hearkened unto him. So now Judah has a better idea than killing him too, but it's not better than Reuben's idea, because Reuben wanted to save him out of the pit. But Judah is saying, Let's make money off of him and sell him to the Ishmaelites as a slave. So this is really evil. They're selling their brother into slavery. 28. And there passed by Midianites, merchant men, 
And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Midianites are part of the Ishmaelites and they pulled him up out of the pit and bought him from Joseph's brothers for 20 shekels of silver. Judas was paid to betray Jesus the night that Jesus was arrested. Pieces of silver. So again, it's foreshadowing the life of Christ. 29. And Reuben returned unto the pit. So they sold Joseph when Reuben was gone, probably looking after the sheep or something. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Now in the Bible, whenever you're really, really sorry, and really depressed and really sad, you tear your clothes apart. It's a sign of mourning. Reuben is like, oh no, I wanted to save my brother, and now he's lost 30, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and as for me, whither shall I go? And meaning, what will happen to me now that my brother is dead? He's gone. God will judge me. My father will judge me. My life is over because I lost my brother. 31, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a he-goat and dipped the coat in the blood. Now Reuben is complicit in the lie. They're all, they've all decided that they're going to pretend that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. And at this point, Reuben is complicit because he doesn't want to get in trouble with his father. 32. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it is thy son's coat or not. They killed an animal, put blood all over the coat from the animal. And they give it to their father and say, Is this your son's coat? They know it's his coat. It's one of a kind. No one else on the whole planet has a coat like that. So for them to ask their father if it's their son's coat, to me, is very insulting. 33, And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn in pieces. Jacob, Israel, believes that Joseph is has been killed by a wild animal. 32, And Jacob rent his garments and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Tearing your clothes and wearing sackcloth, which is a really rough very uncomfortable clothing, is a sign of deep, deep mourning. A lot of the prophets in the Bible, including John the Baptist and Elijah, wore this kind of clothing. Now, John the Baptist and Elijah wore skins, animal skins, but it's just as uncomfortable as wearing sackcloth. And the reason they did that is because they were in mourning for Israel, because they knew that God would judge Israel. And that's why prophets mourn, because they know judgment is coming. And the two witnesses in Revelation are prophets. And when they come, they will be wearing sackcloth because they know judgment is coming on the world. And they will tell everybody to repent and most of the people won't listen to them. But here, Jacob is wearing it simply because he's sad. And he mourned for his son many days. So way beyond the seven-day mourning period, he just kept mourning and wouldn't stop. 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, Nay, but I will go down to the grave to my son mourning, and his father wept for him. Jacob said, I will never stop mourning until the day I die. 36. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, the captain of the guard. The Midianites, they bought him from Jacob's sons, for 20 pieces of silver. So you know they sold him to Potiphar for more than that. So Potiphar paid more than 20 pieces of silver to get Jacob. And that is where we leave Jacob at the end of chapter 37.